0: Father, we come to you in Yeshua's name, and we thank you. We just receive your word, Father. I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable first to you, Lord, in your sight, Father. I ask that you would take what I say and what is of you and that you would bring it to our hearts, Father, in Yeshua's name. We've got a uh, lot to cover in a the amount of time I want to read I the scripture the sermon is called A Famine of Hearing the Words of the Lord. And I want to read this and then explain myself and then talk about the background of what leads to something like this. Because I think that's where we're at and where we're heading. Uh, Let's go to Amos chapter 8, verse 1. And I'll read the entire chapter so we can see. Or most of the chapter, excuse me. Probably the first 11, 12 verses. Thus the Lord God showed me, and behold, there was a basket of summer fruit. He said, What do you see, Amos? And I said, A basket of summer fruit. Then the Lord said to me, The end has come for my people Israel. I will spare them no longer. The songs of the palace will turn to wailing in that day, declares the Lord God. Many will be the corpses in every place. They will cast them forth in silence. Hear this, you who trample the needy, to do away with the humble of the land, saying, When will the new moon be over, so that we may sell grain, and the Sabbath that we may open the wheat market, to make the bushels smaller and the shekel bigger, and to cheat with dishonest scales so as to buy the helpless for money and the needy for a pair of sandals, and that we may sell the refuse of the wheat. The Lord has sworn by the pride of Jacob, indeed, I will never forget any of their deeds. Because of this, they will n- Because of this will not the land quake and everyone who dwells in it mourn. Indeed, all of it will rise up like the Nile, and it will be tossed about and subside like the Nile of Egypt. It will come about in that day, declares the Lord God, that I will make the sun go down at noon and make the earth dark in broad daylight. Then I will turn your festivals into mourning and all your songs into lamentation, and I will bring sackcloth on every one's loins, and baldness on every head, and I will make it like a time of mourning for an only son, and the end of it will be like a bitter day. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord God, when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine for bread or a thirst for water, but rather for hearing the words of the Lord." People will stagger from sea to sea and from the north even to the east. They will go to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. Now, Before I start, Amos, probably more than many or most books of the Tanakh, can come across as God demanding we set up a social gospel, if anything, it's just the opposite. What I think what God, the Lord, is saying is he objects to what people are doing in Israel at that time, northern kingdom, uh, although Amos talks about Judah and other kingdoms, what he objects is to people doing what they're in this this case doing the wrong thing. It's not that God is demanding just that we do the right thing, but that we put him first and out of that relationship. So I'm would, would come people doing the right thing from a right heart, which comes from God. So when I first came across this topic, I was listening to a multi-part audio sermon series on the life of Joseph at one point in the series the speaker was teaching on the part where joseph is called up before pharaoh was commanded to interpret the pharaoh's two dreams the pastor the speaker then turned the sermon in a different direction making it more personal which is what he usually does what if that was us and we need to think about that because we're so used to hearing joseph we realize what would we do in that situation? Whether before Pharaoh or anyone else, even the President of the United States, would you tell him the truth or would you make up a story? Would you say something positive like many people do and did throughout history and still do today? Would you tell him what he wants to hear? Or would you tell him the truth that there's many years of extreme famine coming? Even worse, What if the Lord told you to tell the religious establishment, as Amos and other prophets did, those, as he tells them, that believe they hear from God, when in fact they don't, that judgment is coming. And we know from Scripture how that was received. We can see it nowadays, how much it's not received. Also, that there will be a famine of hearing the word of God. And it's not just scripture. I think it's also at that time also the prophetic word. God will speak to us still, but millions of people will be on. Basically, the famine of the word of God means that God will speak to us still, but that millions of people will be unable to hear or understand or accept what God has to say. In fact, would you say it knowing that you would be rejected? or worse first let us talk about amos amos is the proverbial everyday person the average joe or in this case the average amos when accused by the leadership and the religious structure of the time he stated to amaziah i am not a prophet nor am i the son of a prophet for i am a herdsman and a grower of sycamore figs. He was an everyday man with a job that was low on the scale of respect. If it was Egypt, he'd have no respect. And if it was Yeshua's time, he couldn't even be in a court of law. So herdsmen shepherds had no really big place in society. A herdsman, um, like I say, he was a herdsman, a shepherd, and a grower and tender of fruit. Little is known of the town he was from, Tekoa, but I doubt if Amos was taken all that seriously by people. Yet the Lord called him despite his lack of religious training or not being part of the priesthood. Amos had no education. He was probably somewhat insecure. He was surrounded by hostility, stubbornness, and hard hearts. He was called to speak to the northern kingdom of Israel, but I think a lot more people than Israel heard it. He was called to speak about the impending doom and captivity of the nation and Judah, but mostly Israel. Israel was prosperous, was wealthy, was religious, but the wrong kind of religion. It was filled with false prophets that told people what they wanted to hear a positive message, or they're not going into exile or whatever was plenty of idolatry yet for all the religiosity they were not godly or obedient to God's Word imagine and I don't know if we have any equivalent in this society imagine if the janitor of your business or the gardener you hired with little or no education was called of God to do what Amos did and was on the national media Certainly think how he'd be treated in social media. Think of the scorn and ridicule. Even worse, think of the rejection by all those who call themselves godly ministries out there that are filled with people who give only a positive message, but little of the word of God, if at all. Imagine if someone like Amos or our janitor or our gardener had a message from God and it was not so positive. Repent. What if the message is to repent? Think of the churches in Revelation 2 and 3. That was the primary repetitive message by Yeshua to most of the churches. Repent. Or something That was actually Yeshua and John's first message, repent, when they started their ministry. Repent or something worse will happen to them. Think hard. Would he, those people, be received? Consider the current spiritual climate at the moment. I would say he would not be received in many places. In fact, he would likely be kicked out and banned permanently from the building may be escorted out by the ushers or the police. That is Amos. That is what he was called to do. And Jeremiah and a few others. Amos was called to the northern kingdom. He was called to speak about the impending doom and the captivity of the nation. He was speaking to a society that was prosperous but corrupt to the core sounds familiar, a society that ignored and scorns the message of Amos, the state of Israel and Judah at the time, probably primarily Israel, but at that place they were wealthy, corrupt, they neglected God's word, they were idolatrous, uh, excessive pagan worship, any pagan worship is excessive, greed, corrupt leadership they participated in the formal religion, but ignored God and his word. They were led astray by false gods and do- false doctrines. The result is God was stating that he would judge Israel and Judah with judgment and death. So let's read some scriptures about, before we talk about A famine of the word of God. Let's talk about some of the things, some of the scriptures in Amos that the Lord spoke through Amos to the people at that time. What brought it on? First, chapter 2, verse 4. I'm reading out of the New American Standard Version. Uh, It says, for three transgressions, and for four, what that means is three transgressions would be the full judgment. Four is like over the top, overflowing. For three transgressions of Judah and for four, I will not revoke its punishment because they rejected the law of the Lord and have not kept his statutes. Their lies also have led them astray, those after which their fathers walked. So here we see one reason for the famine of the word of God and judgment. We see the Lord judging the northern kingdom for refusing to not only read but obey the law of the Lord. Chapter six verses chapter two verses six and seven. Thus says the Lord For three transgressions of Israel and for four I will not revoke its punishment, because they sell the righteous for money and the needy for a pair of sandals, slavery, among other things these who pant after the very dust of the earth on the head of the helpless, and they turn aside the way of the humble, and a man and his father resort to the same girl in order to profane my holy name. Here we read the punishment that is due them because they sell people for money, slavery, and using people for personal gain. They ignore the humble and the poor, and actually probably stand in their way, and men and sons sleeping with the same girl. I mean, I can't comprehend that. So that's how bad the society is. Chapter 2, verse 12, Because you made the Nazarites drink wine, and you commanded the prophets, saying, You shall not prophesy. Again, we see the people forcing the Nazarites and religious people to violate their vows and the covenants they made before God and also forbidding the true prophets of God from speaking out. Chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. For on the day that I punish Israel's transgressions, I will also punish the altars of Bethel. The horns of the altar will be cut off and they will fall to the ground. I will smite the winter house together with the summer house. The houses of ivory will also perish and the great houses will come to an end, declares the Lord. So here we see the Lord judging people for accumulating things at the expense of others. He's just going to make a thorough work of it. they were a very prosperous society. There's, There's nothing wrong with having those things. It's just that God is looking at our hearts because they had those things, and they did it at the expense of other people. Uh, chapter four, verses four and five: Enter Bethel and transgress in Gilgal. Multiple transgression. Bring your sacrifices every morning, your tithes every three days. Offer a thank offering also from that which is leavened, and proclaim free will offerings. Make them known, for so you love to do, you sons of Israel. Declares the Lord God. So here we see God noting that the people of Israel, and probably Judah and others, were religious but it mattered not to God because their actions in their heart do not line up with God's word. And I want to read uh, chapter 4, verses 6 through 11, because there's a consistent word here that I want you, a phrase I want you to listen, and it's, I think, very similar to what we're seeing nowadays. If you wondered why there's these disasters, this would help explain it, possibly. But I gave you, chapter 4, verses 6 through 11. But I gave you also cleanness of teeth in your cities. That means there wasn't a lot of food because food stains your teeth. So they had clean teeth. And a lack of bread in all your places, yet you have not returned to me. That's the phrase, declares the Lord. Furthermore, I withheld the rain from you. While there were still three months until harvest, then I would send rain on one city and on another city I would send not send rain. On one part one part would be rained on while the other part not rained on would dry up so two or three cities would stagger to another city to drink water but would not be satisfied yet you have not returned to me declares the Lord I smote you with scorching wind and mildew and the caterpillar was devouring your many gardens and vineyards, fig trees and olive trees, yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. I sent a plague among you after the manner of Egypt. I slew you young men with the sword by the sword along with your captured horses, and I made the stench of your camp rise up in your nostrils, yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. I overthrew you as God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. And you were like a firebrand snatched from the blaze, yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. So we see the Lord bringing disaster after disaster after disaster, and no one is proclaiming repentance, which is essentially what our call is. And people are not um, repenting. And in some ways it reminds me of uh, Revelation. Where there's disaster after disaster, and people are unwilling to repent. nor are no longer capable of it. Um, I would, I've got several scriptures, but I'll do this quickly. Some of them. They hate him who reproves in the gate, and, uh, chapter 5, verse 10, and they abhor him who speaks with integrity. So here we see that God will judge people for abhorring those with biblical integrity that their hearts were so hard that they hate those who love God and love those, they hate those that God loves and love those that God abhors. Uh, Chapter 5, verse 21 through 24, we see what happens. Uh, I think among the Jewish people, they took, Things like this is a sign that God wasn't interested in sacrifice but in doing things. But I think we can see that the reason God is saying what I'm about to say in chapter 5, verse 21 through 24, is because their heart was not right. They were unrepentant. I hate, I hate, reject your festivals, nor do I delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer up to me burnt offerings and your grain offerings, I will not accept them, and I will not even look at the peace offerings of your fatlings. Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not even listen to the sound of your harps, but let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. So God rejected any festival or celebration if their hearts were not right before God. Obedience is better than sacrifice. It's a matter of priorities. What is the sense of celebrating the Lord's festivals if your heart is not right with him? And this last scripture to see on why the Lord will bring about hard-heartedness and a famine of the word of, words of the Lord, hearing the words of the Lord, uh, chapter 6, verses 4 through 6. It's the, really the last phrase that struck me. Those who recline on beds of ivory and sprawl on their couches and eat lambs from the flock and calves from the midst of the stall who improvise to the sound of the harp and, like David, have composed songs for themselves who drink wine from sacrificial bowls while they anoint themselves with the finest of oils, yet they have not grieved over the ruin of Joseph." So it's not that what they're, you know, it's not where they're at that's wrong. It's their heart. Their priorities are all mixed up. They're they're hard-hearted, as we'll discuss. They got a society in decline, and they're partying. Instead, they should be grieving over the ruin of Joseph. And one of the results is of a corrupt society that ignores God's word and God himself is hard-heartedness. And we've seen from Scripture that the Lord will send a famine of hearing God's word upon Israel in, the, in this book. All we have to do is look at our present-day world to see the same things happening again. I am coming across more and more congregations and preaching pulpits abandoning their calling and turning their congregation over to a showbiz style of worship, smoke, special effects, and so on. And that is not an exaggeration. We've seen the fact that the sheer scale of sin, pride, and arrogance in our society has brought God's judgment. Before we discuss the famine of hearing the word of the Lord, let's define the terms as I already have. I believe it means an inability to hear and understand God's word, whether spoken or read. In Amos' time, it would have included uh, the spoken prophecies of the prophets. What would bring on a famine of the word of God Let's examine a few scriptures that point in that direction. Matthew 24, you can, starting in verse 10, I think, I may have written this wrong. At that time, Yeshua was speaking, many will, talking about the end times, many will fall away and will betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and will mislead, many because lawlessness is increased. Most people's love will grow cold, but the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. The gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Here we see Yeshua relating this to the end times, an abundance of evil, people hating each other, an abundance of false prophets with the intent to mislead, whether they realize it or not. Lawlessness, which to a Jewish person at that time would have meant rejecting God's laws. Lawlessness is increasing with the result that the love of most will grow cold. Please notice that Yeshua did not differentiate between believers and unbelievers with this statement. As a point to consider, consider the parable of the ten virgins. Half had enough oil and probably extra, the other half didn't, but all ten fell asleep because the bridegroom delayed his coming. Let us all be careful. In Matthew chapter 13 verses 14 and 15, Yeshua's speaking, confronting, I believe, some of the Pharisees, but the people around him at that time. In their case, the prophecy of Yeshua is being fulfilled, which says, You will keep on hearing, but will not understand. You will keep on seeing, but will not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull. With their ears they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they would see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their heart and return, and I would heal them. Here we see Yeshua quoting Isaiah, because the people he is confronting at that moment have hearts that are dull and hard, unable to hear what Yeshua is saying. Things like this do not happen suddenly, but come upon people over time as they have continually rejected God's word long before this situation. I remember reading, and this is badly paraphrased, a quote by a a blogger who was commenting about why we've seen some famous people in the body of Messiah backslide or renounce the faith. And this person commented that things like this do not happen suddenly, but there's a gradual progression of leaving. And so what we're seeing is months or years of that person backtracking in their heart only now it's come manifest. There's a you know famous pastor I won't name, probably some of us knows, who has a tendency to say crazy things. Uh, he's the son of a pastor. And I can only say that what he's saying is probably not sudden, but have been things that that person has been thinking and meditating on for years. So what we're seeing is, is the physical manifestation of things he's been dealing with for years. Mark chapter 8, verses 16 through 21. They began to discuss with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you discuss the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet see or understand? Do you have a hardened heart? Having eyes do you not see, and having ears do you not hear? And do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces you picked up? How many broken pieces you picked up? They said to him, 12. When I broke the seven for this 4,000, how many large baskets full of broken pieces did you pick up? And they said to him, 7 and he was saying to them do you not understand and so yeshua was saying to be careful paraphrasing who you listen to because that can cause a hardened heart here we see the disciples unable to understand what yeshua is saying the living breathing word of god standing in front of them And they are unable to understand what he's saying. In Romans chapter 2, verses 3 through 8, Paul is saying, But do you suppose this, O man, when you pass judgment on those who practice such things, and do the same yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance, but because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart. And that's why Paul is arguing with this. He's saying that you accuse other people of doing it, yet you're doing it yourself because you have a stubborn and unrepentant heart. You are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to each person according to his deeds, to those who by perseverance and doing good seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life, but to those who are selfishly ambitious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, wrath, and indignation. And one of the things I wanna bring up was talking about the his immediate disciples, the later called the apostles, um, when Yeshua spoke about his upcoming death on the tree, and they didn't understand. There were teachings on the different kinds of messiahs the Jewish people. At that time and still do unfortunately see the Messiah as Messiah ben Yosef and Messiah ben Div- as two different people. But it's obvious that they saw Yeshua as Messiah ben David, the conquering king. And so when they came up to him and says, Will you put us, you know, his mother, will you put us on your left and right side? And he just said, You don't know what you're talking about, and why. Peter, Kepha, rebuked Yeshua was simply because what they thought he was the conquering king. They literally had no idea what Yeshua was talking about when they said, when he said he's going to the tree to die for us, they literally had no idea what he was talking about because of the teachings they had received. So we need to be careful what we hear. We need to judge everything we hear. These are just a few of the many scriptures that speak of the hardness of people's heart. It comes from sinning, refusing to hear God or his word, refusing to be obedient. It comes from being surrounded by sin, listening to false teachers and their teachings. Not that I'm perfect. It comes from failing to be discerning, failing to be a Berean and double-check what you hear. In Psalm 95, verses 7-11, for he is our God, and we are his people of his pasture, the sheep of his hand, today, and it's also in Hebrews, I believe, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as in the day of Massah in the wilderness, when your fathers tested me. They tried me, though they had not seen my work. For 40 years I loathed that generation and said, They are a people who err in their heart, and they do not know my ways. Therefore, I swore in my anger, truly, they shall not enter into my rest. So actually, we see from these that one of the reasons for having a famine of the hearing of the word of God is because of people's unwillingness to listen or obey God's word or judge it and apply it to them because of the sins in their life, um, among many things that I've discussed in others, their hearts become hard, and then God, like they become unable to hear God's word and creates a famine of the Word of God. So God's word is there, but as we're seeing nowadays, people become unable to hear God's word. It actually can make people angry. Actually, what would be experienced as a famine of the hearing of the word of God is different than one would imagine or think. Yes, in ancient Israel, uh, the prophetic revelation either ceased or lessened, but I think it means more than that. I think what you're talking about is different in some aspects. I think it is talking about the situation where God is in fact continuing to talk to people and plead with people and demand repentance, but because of their sins, idolatry, the business of life, people have hearts that are no longer able to hear the word of God as God meant it to be heard. Certainly they would resist or reject the correct interpretation. And here's the, the crux of this argument. As Timothy, Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, and as I was reading in one site, I think it was got Question, it means that instead of hearing a message, they want to be massaged, which I thought was a fascinating turn of phrase. They want to have their ears tickled. They will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. So in other words, there's going to come a time, and we're reaching that, where people will not be able to endure sound doctrine. But literally, they just can't handle it. This is the famine God's, this is the famine. God's word is still around, but people no longer hear due to the abundance of sin, bad teaching, false prophets. Even worse, they are unable and unwilling to obey God's word. So as Amos said, they act like the unsaved and bounce around from place to place looking for the word of God but are unable to find it. There's no rest for the sinner. There's no rest for the wicked, as they say. Satan runs to and fro over the whole earth looking for someone he devoured. Because he's under judgment, he's unable to rest anymore, so he just runs around the earth. And sinners act like that. It can easily apply to us and our world in this day and age. This time... In this day and age this time near the end of times we see that because of the abundance of sin the love of most will grow cold that could easily include believers if we let it the result in the lives of the followers of yeshua could easily mimic the unbeliever if we're not careful if we start following every wind of doctrine every doctrine that blows around like the wind, like a bunch of grass or weeds in a field. Um, We could easily become hard-hearted and become increasingly unable and unwilling to hear the word of God, whether through preaching or reading the Bible. Like the 12 disciples of Yeshua, the first apostles, we could find ourselves thick-headed and unable to increasingly understand what the Ruach, the Spirit, is saying to us, Even worse, unable to recognize the Lord's activities in our life and in the earth. And some suggestions to go through and survive a famine of the word of God is, um, like I said, be careful what you, what's the song? Be careful little eyes what you see. Be careful little ears what you hear. Um, I won't sing it. (laughs) get into the word and study it every day put it into action because faith without works is dead and useless ask the Lord to help you to understand and properly interpret what you read in his word be a Berean study it yourself yes you can hear other people but study it yourself pray about it and double check what you hear and hear preached and taught against what against the word of God you know make sure you're careful who you're listening to make sure that what they preach is something that stood the test of time not the winds of doctrine from every passing fad and Lord knows they keep coming there's some coming in the next few weeks it's just another fad get rid of of pride. Only the Lord can help you to identify what and where is pride. Stay in an attitude of humility and repentance. That is, know that only God can make the changes in your life and stay in an attitude of being willing to listen. No matter how old you are in the Lord, until you get to heaven, there is still plenty to learn. You are not God and never will be and as we go through, as long as we're in this world, we'll go through trials. So endure it and rejoice in our sufferings. And I know that's easier said than done. But that's where the children of Israel got caught. And we'll, we'll all stumble in any of these points. But that's what got the children of Israel in trouble when the Lord was bringing the trials upon Egypt is they listened to their circumstances rather than God's deliverance. Father, we come to you in Yeshua's name and I just ask that you would take what I have spoken and what is of you, speak to our hearts. I ask that you would help us to remain people of the word who hears the word of God, and if there's anything in our life that is keeping us from hearing you, if there's anything in our life that is giving us a hard heart, if there's any sin in our life that is causing us to get a hard heart and is forcing you to be silent to us, Father, I ask that you would reveal it to us in Yeshua's name. Amen.